Welcome to Capes, Cowls and Masks, the show where we uncover the world of soups and science fiction. And welcome to our weekly spoiler review show of the latest entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Today we'll be looking at the sixth episode of the show titled One World, One People, directed by series director Carrie Scogland and written by Malcolm Spellman and Joseph Sawyer. I am your host, David Osger. I am a content creator and writer, editor over at Fresh Take Hub, and I am joined by both of my co-hosts this week for the finale. Uh, so first of all, we have... Hello, yes, I'm Jake Hart. I'm a podcaster, sound designer, and a writer for Fresh Take Hub. I'm super excited to talk about this finale. Also is our guest for these reviews, who's been with us all season long, reviewing every episode, all six episodes. Uh, it is Stefanos Florakis. Hello, Stefanos. Captain Falcon, show me your moves. <laughs> so uh stefanos i have to start off by saying congratulations on uh passing your ma this week so Woo! congratulations yay i got a degree another one <laughs> hopefully this will help my cv and everything <laughs> <laughs> well you did say kevin feige's listening to this podcast so you're available if kevin if you, anyone needs uh Snarvel. yeah yeah i mean now i have the qualifications uh, mr feige I mean, Kevin, come on, we're friends now. So, and obviously you heard everything I said about Wakanda. So, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, congratulations, Steph. Uh, like I said, we're sure uh, Marvel will be hitting you up very soon. Uh, and yeah, this is going to be a really fun episode as we go back to like episode one, where we were discussing it uh, as the three of us since we sort of interchanged talking about each episode, breaking it down. And now we're going to do the same for the series finale. But of course talking about our feelings of the series as a whole uh, after watching the entire season together and this final episode. So, uh, Stefanos, as the series guest, I'll go to you first. You know, what, you know, briefly is your thoughts on this final episode and how does it make you feel about the season as a whole? What What is your takeaway of The Falcon and The Winter Soldier? Well, overall, I am positive. Um Although this episode very much solidified what made things work in the show and what didn't. And there are several issues that I have, which I imagine we all kind of have the same. And there's things that we've kind of come to repeat ourselves over and over again with each episode. But, all, but when they hit well... They hit so well and so hard that it kind of make me overlook to the other narrative issues. I think this is surprisingly one of the more effective projects they've done in a matter of larger themes. It's not the best work in matter of character development and storytelling, but I do appreciate for them taking a new step for the uh, for the franchise and and same with one division i'm actually very looking forward to what they're going to do with some of these characters in the future and what this could mean for the franchise overall especially by seeing all the other projects that we have on the slate and i can see that there is almost a reinvention of the franchise and and I'm hoping they're going to keep going and 
and hopefully they will find the voice, or basically a new voice in all of this. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, a lot of that, which you mentioned right there, is definitely elements that will come up, as as you said, you know, with certain characters, but focusing on what is important about this series and what they do well. Uh, Jake, what did you think? Yeah, very similar thoughts to Steph. I thought overall I'm a fan of this series. Um, really did like actually compared to Steph the character development we got from all the characters well all the leads anyway I really love the themes and the powerful messages that this series was trying to tell I think it's really brave and bold of Marvel Studios and Disney to come out with this especially you know straight at it as well they're not being like you know subtle about it at certain times so I really like that aspect I thought the action in the entire series was really well done some really well choreographed action that I wish I had seen in like a cinema screen. It sort of feel, felt like it deserved to be there. Um, I do have some issues in regards to plots. I think the plot overall is a bit thin for me. And I felt let down by some characters within the story. But I'll go into that in a bit more detail. But overall I'm really happy with this series and this episode. Uh, but this episode sort of very similar to what Steph said. It highlights all the best things about this series. But unfortunately, it also highlights the worst things about this series. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. I think that to me, it very much is kind of like the WandaVision situation. Again, it's that idea of, you know, where we were mentioning certain elements or parts that weren't working. But I think what I said there is the same here. You know, that story was about Wanda dealing with her grief and her powers and ultimately that's what we had start to finish and it's the same here with you know sam and bucky i think that there's you know another podcaster who uh, said on twitter which i think is is very true he says that yes you can nitpick at the flag smashers john walker and sharon carter but this story of sam wilson becoming captain america in that regard felt earned and overall they they nailed it so i think like steph said you know i can overlook certain elements for how well they pull off certain elements and yes while i do have issues with it as a whole and things just weren't pulled off i think a lot of it was affected by the pandemic as we've talked about uh, with certain things that people have noticed within the episode uh, or episodes as a whole and the season and also they're still in this teething area of sort of experimenting with this television format and i think that there's a lot maybe that they would learn or take away from this series uh, especially, uh, especially because WandaVision had the benefit of having that kind of TV format with the sitcom stuff. It was more traditional. It had nine episodes to work with. So, yeah, I'm really grateful for what this gives us for the, the world as a whole. And I really enjoyed some of the elements here, but I just have to give it credit for having some of the most ballsy and courageous moments and bits of dialogue that I've seen in any television for a long time or any content i think that some of the stuff they do here is so spot on and so visceral and striking that i just have to give them full credit for going there and you know we'll get to those moments but i think that you know i just had to like clap at certain moments or like throw my hand up in the air because i was like yeah that that is absolutely amazing and it just speaks to me personally because it's a lot of the stuff that i'm interested in etc but again, I can see a lot of the problems here. I think that this finale, again, went very much off the vibe that they had with the WandaVision finale of sort of wrapping everything up with sort of action scene and sort of t 
tying up all the loose ends, etc. But there was still a few little things where you're like, oh, what, what? that, you know, that wasn't quite right. What was happening there? It, you know, there was, it was a bit clunky in that sense, but I'm still thankful for what it's given us and what we can take away from it. Sharon, Bucky, what's going on on your end? Nothing, all quiet. I'm sorry, wait, who are you? Captain America. Starting off the episode breakdown then, uh, we'll start with the brief synopsis, which is just as the Flag Smashers escalate their actions, Sam and Bucky take action. So we start off as the GRC meeting hall is placed under lockdown due to a Flag Smasher assault. Sam Wilson donning the shield and a new Falcon suit with the image of Captain America flies into New York City as Bucky Barnes approaches the building on the ground. A pedestrian interrupts Barnes and reveals herself as a disguised Sharon Carter who had arrived despite her fugitive status. So uh, what did you guys think of this opening? Did it get you pumped for the episode? What did you think of the setting up the the Flag Smashers stuff and picking up directly from the last episode? Jake, what, what were your thoughts? A couple of things. Like, I... Really liked how it opened. I was pumped as soon as the episode began. You know, it's very somber. You had like, you know, the you know the the monologuing and stuff like that. We're about to go to war. You know, all the the typical stuff. And I was okay. I'm pumped. This is going to be good. And yeah, the introduction of Sam Wilson in the suit of Captain America was phenomenal. Like the suit looks incredible. I think the costume um, department did a fantastic job on that. He just looks the part, you know what I mean? And I always like it when they get a comic accurate costume. You know, at the very beginning of the MCU, they did they, you know, they tried to resemble the comics as much as possible, but it was a very sort of coming out of the you know, the early naughty sort of keep it gritty and grounded sort of look. But now they're fully embracing the comics and I love it. So, yeah, and I also really like that we actually get to see him be the Falcon as well, flying around. I felt throughout the series from the opening sequence we got in the first episode, we haven't really seen him fly around a lot and use his wings that much. I think that's probably partly due to Bucky. You know, you have to keep him grounded because, as Bucky says in this finale, he's like, flying's your thing, you know what I mean? Like, he can't fly. So I I get it to a certain to a certain extent. So I really like he's flying around with his new costume. Really excited to see Red Wing back. I really like the lighting during the lockdown in that building, you know, as it transitions from like the red to the blue and stuff like that. I thought that was really visceral and cool. But I will say, um, as soon as Sharon popped up and she did the whole mask reveal, which I, I do, I, I think it's cool that they use the same technology that Black Widow used in Winter Soldier, but I did feel it was kind of hokey the way she she came about, and I just thought instantly from that moment, I just got a gut feeling in, in my stomach. I was like, oh, no, I, I don't like where this is going. I sort of predicted where it was going to go from last week's episode, but just her entrance and how she can just easily get there, and she's like, oh, it's all right, they're not looking for me here. I'm like, but aren't you aren't you being looked for throughout the entire world? I don't I don't know. Like, So, yeah, it was a bit hokey for me, her introduction, and it sort of set me up for what was going to possibly be. But everything regarding Sam and Bucky, I absolutely loved. Yeah, it's like, are these series not learning off each other? Again, it's the Game of Thrones thing, isn't it, where Varys just kept popping up, like, in a completely different continent or country where they were just like, how did you travel overseas, like, that quickly? And people you were like, still, you could still be a merman, okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was about to say, people th- thought you was a merman. Uh, so, Steph, what, what did you think? Positives first. 
Yes, I do like the opening. I, I, I like that it was not a bombastic soundtrack. The the it was they were going with something far more mellow and also sad tone to it. And like it almost feels like a foreshadowing to what would happen to them afterwards. Um like uh like we've been more times we've been saying that we don't really care about the flag smashes, but I like how the filmmakers do try the best, at least in uh you know in in the in their own language to convey emotion. And I think that's something I do give huge credit to Kais Cogland because even though I did not care about them, I sh- uh, she really tried, and I really tried to care, and and I give uh, big credits to that. I do this. I do like the setup. It reminds me a lot of uh, Die Hard elements to it. The fact that you know they're trying to infiltrate a tower to save hostages. Yeah. It's, it's um, even though it's not exactly the same, but it did almost feel like an 80s 90s action film but in a good way not not, not necessarily the cheesy way and mm. and I, and I did enjoy that and also I also very much liked Samsung's suit it's bombastic ridiculous and I love it mm. <laughs> um and also I do think it's also because it, it, it does seems to really buff him up by makes sense because he doesn't have superpowers so he needs to have as much protection as possible, and uh, and especially I like the um the attachment that he had to his neck through his head, so he will be able to withstand uh the any kind of energies he gets while he's flying. But again, once again, like the shield, those wings should not work that way. But I buy it because it looks cool and it looks like an American eagle. And I am, and, I, and all the time I was thinking, I'm so happy for him. He deserves mm. this. Yeah. And also, I really enjoyed, and again, like Die Hard, um, Bucky talking to Carly through the phone. And even though he's in the beginning, it seemed like she was trying to recruit him, it was just to stall him while he, her people would try to get the hostages, which I do, which really, really good. And also, I do like, when he said that I did fight for something bigger than myself twice and I felt both times which I could see you could see like in Carly's eyes there is some level of conviction from his words and which again even though the writing for Carly did not work that well I do also appreciate her acting because she does try yeah, I will say Erin Kellyman is fantastic in this as the character, I just think some of the writing of her could have been a bit better. Yeah. Yeah, like if there's anything positive I have to say about Carly, I think it's from her. And as for the negatives, yeah, Sharon, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, mm, like, yeah, what, what, how did you, how? Plot, plot is plot. <laughs> like, and, and I, and I, <laughs> And, and, and I, I am the kind of motherfucker who's been supporting uh, Bruce Wayne going back to Gotham during Dark Knight Rises. I'm the, I'm one motherfucker who was absolutely like, yeah, of course he's there. He's fucking Batman. But then with Sharon, I'm like, nah, <laughs> nah, 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 nah. You, you're telling me that the, all the governments in the world are negotiating in New York and they're talking about immigration and not letting people going to different countries. But Sharon, oh no, she's able to go there. <laughs> 
for me like this opening like i said it, it's like you guys it's a bit of a mixed bag i appreciated the tone of it i liked getting straight into the action i felt that the the beginning of it again like we've spoken before with the different episodes it's a bit the pacing is a bit off especially the fact that we've in the past had about five ten minutes of footage or story before we get to the title card here it kind of felt like a trailer or like one of those tv spots and with they're like you know we're gonna get ready to take down the grc and then it brings up the title straight away and i was like whoa and i, I was getting bad vibes then from it already i was like oh no we're not going down this kind of gimmicky really unnuanced kind of way approaches of you know carly has just become you know mr sinister and you know they're just going to be fighting in the grc the entire time thankfully that wasn't the case later on they did have a bit more conversation and there was a bit more context to everything was happening but that that didn't immediately strike the right tone for me but like you guys i thought that the sam bucky stuff came across well um like we said you know i wasn't a, sh a fan of sharon turning up but especially the, the the technology as soon as i saw like the whole peeling away i've never liked that in anything i don't like i think i don't know why films and tv programs i suppose it's an easy thing to do but i don't know if it's just that they've seen mystique for years and they're like oh isn't that cool i'm like i know but that's a superpower and she's the only one who can do that i can't buy into this world when i you're telling me that there's this kind of face masking technology out there in which i'm like well why would that not be used like so much more like why would that not be a thing it's like the same thing happens in star wars where they're like oh there's an alien species who can turn themselves into anybody and i'm like so, you know, like Harry Potter uses it quite well, actually. They're like, oh, this person was using Polyjuice Potion. Oh, that explains all the suspicious stuff they've been doing. Whereas this just, like, brings up that plot hole even more of, like, well, why doesn't, you know, the villain use the face masking technology if it's this easily accessible? I could buy into just maybe Black Widow having it, etc. But then when you start to show that other people have it and they just use it to mask their their plot holes i think that it just becomes annoying and yeah i never liked it in winter soldier but i was willing to overlook it but when they start bringing it up here again i'm like this technology doesn't make sense and it you know it, it's just makes for lazy writing i think and it it just looks goofy i think it's you know i just not a fan of it i like mystique i think that that's cool but that's just one person and it gives that element of like oh you never know who's like the real person but when you then give that power to everybody i think it completely takes away from the mystique of that power so i don't like the the face masking kind of stuff i do so question the flag smashes influence i think the show hasn't really done enough as well to make me buy into the fact that like all these people in a government building would be on their side they very much throughout the series have shown them as a organization that has got a lot of ground level support and activists but i never got the idea of like oh it's all these people who work for the government all these people who are security guards who are soldiers there was just this massive leap i felt that like all the missions we've seen before from them have been more ragtag kind of stuff i think they needed something to show to build up to this to show that they've got that level of influence and level of power so i felt that this was too much of a leap to say yeah we've got all these people on the inside and i'm like I've never seen that you've had any of this influence or power. So that I found really hard to buy into. But like you guys said, the Sam stuff was really strong. My first thought was like, hell yeah. But I, I did think the suit is a bit goofy, but it, it's it's a good goofy. Like it's, it's kind of like I love it because it's so, as Steph said, bombastic. It's very out there. Um, and it's again, it, it sort of proves 
its purpose later on when, like you said, Jake, that is showing how good it looks when he's flying around and everything, but also when you're seeing him talk to characters and when he's sort of there as a symbol to the people, he really stands out. And what I thought was interesting is you said, Jake, when uh, John Walker's costume has no white in it. So like, it's like the purity has been taken out where Sam's is very like a lot of like white on the costume. So it's interesting that like a black man who's got like a lot of white in his costume later on, we see John Walker literally has a black costume with no white in it. So it's like interesting with those parallels and showing that difference between the purity and being a symbol and standing out. I thought that 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 was quite interesting. You better speed things up, Sam. Chopper's about to take off. Bucky! I don't fly, man. That's your thing. Uh, seeing Wilson's arrival, Carly uh, signals her allies to begin rounding up the GRC senators via evacuation. As Wilson infiltrates the building to stop the evacuation, he is attacked by Georges Batrock. A GRC senator hands Barnes a phone on the line with Morgenthau, who boasts that the anti-resettlement movement is large enough to continue after her death. Barnes warns her that she will remember the lives of the innocent killed in her campaign and urges her to abandon her campaign only for her to terminate the call. Now, I did like that there was that comparison between her and Bucky. I thought that was quite nice. I like that line as like, you will remember the people you've killed because that's been such a big theme of Bucky throughout the series. I thought that that worked really well. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a nice dynamic that we haven't had yet. Too bad the rest of the series didn't uh, didn't didn't use that because it was also weird that this was the first time we've seen her and Barnes interact, which I thought was a bit of a waste. But also it kind of just stuck to that gimmicky, weird, like this woman is just standing there. It's that aspect of like the, the writers or the people on set would be like, oh, wouldn't this look epic if just this woman's there knowing that Barnes is going to turn up and she's there with the phone already? I'm like, can we not have something a bit more realistic? Like somebody at the reception desk be like, oh, somebody's ringing the phone. Like, what the hell? And, and the fact that the hand is on the phone and everything like that, their symbol is just, it's just dumb. I'm, I'm kind of glad that even the show kind of plays on it later on with Bucky, like where they sort of take the piss out of it themselves. So uh, I wasn't a fan of that. Um, but obviously, you know, Patrock was a, a big uh, element of this. Uh, Steph, what what was, you know, you said previously about uh, the, the aspect of um, I've fallen twice. Um, but but what did you think of uh, Patrock turning back up and, and yeah, just the overall push that the, the Flag Smashers are now instigating? Well, back to the phone call, even though I didn't like the conversation, Yes, the fact that it was a senator with the phone and like already being part of the movements, which then again I'm thinking, did they did, did they really love Fight Club? Because because <laughs> that's not the point of Fight Club. That wasn't, anyways. Because beyond that, it's fine. Although again, they gave a phone which had the app, which it was a stupid idea because later on it did catch them with it, which. Yeah, which then I'm like, how the fuck did you manage to get that far? <laughs> like, but anyways, but beyond that, um, I like, but I like having Patrosh back. Um, even though that was the end of it, but like, but again, who knows? Because I never thought I would see him again after Winter Soldier. Yeah, it, it, I, it's good because, like we said all the way back with the first episode, 
like the opening of Captain America with the Soldier. That was the first villain that Steve fought. So it's very fitting that once again, the first villain that Sam fights as Captain America is him. And also I do like the fact that he struggles a bit. Because, because Steve also struggled back then. So he's just for him, it should be a bit harder. But I like that he does manage on his own. And also a big factor, I love how he uses the shield on his own way. That he doesn't try to use it as Steve does. But yeah, and I love how he uses it with his whole equipment uh, on his benefits. But yeah, it is a solid action. Although, to be honest, after a point, I was thinking, don't stop fighting him. That's not the point of this situation. Just, just fuck off. Just go save some hostages or something. And I'm glad he did because there was no point to continue the fight. Yeah, I think it's a bit vague in terms of what Barnes and Sharon were meant to be doing. Like on my rewatch, I kind of had to almost rewind to be like, what was it? Because Sharon even remarks later on, like you had one job and I'm like, well, what was the one job? I can't even remember. Like you didn't really emphasize that enough. And yeah, I just felt that the Patrock stuff, it was a good fight. And like Jake said earlier, like the room was really good with the lighting. So it made for a dramatic and and aesthetically nice scene uh, but I didn't really think it added much to anything and again it kind of just added to the whole element of like oh now this character turns up like I I hate you I want to get revenge and you know I was just like can we please just keep it with the, the characters who've actually got a stake in this and who actually have got more genuine beef with each other rather than just you duped me out some money I think if the show was structured in a better way they could have made that work um, but I think it was just kind of like, now here's this, now here's that, now here's this. So like you, Steph, I was glad that just Falcon just fucked off, as, as, as you put it. So, uh, Jake, what what did you think of the whole uh, Batroc stuff? Uh, yeah, two things. Uh, one, like you, I like it visually. The action choreography was awesome. Like every time you get Batroc in, you're going to get a good hand-to-hand combat. Like Steph, I really like how Sam's, you know, finding his own way of utilizing the shield. I also really like that, you know, the training montage at the end of last episode fully pays off because all those moves that he's practicing, you see it in action here when he's fighting Patroc, you know, when he's doing all these flips and stuff like that. So love that. But again, I was like, why is Patroc here? Like, it's like ultimately where we see him end up, I'm just like, well, he didn't really need to be here, did he? He's kind of just taking for the sake of, oh, let's have a famous or character that people know. I'm like, well, really, Sam could have just fought off a couple of flag smashers in that, you know, room and it wouldn't have changed much, you know. So uh, whatever sort of thing. But I do like, you know, as he leaves, you know, he throws the, the shield out the window, flies out. And as woo, like that shit was <laughs> so yeah, spinning in the air. Awesome. Grabs fucking it. Awesome. Funny. I cheered at that moment because I thought it was so good. The phone thing. Oh, my God. The phone thing. Like. <laughs> No, because mm-hmm. this was very much like the reveal of Sharon Carter with the face mask. I thought, oh, okay, this is so tropey. And then I was like, oh, my God, another one. Because it was just this so tropey thing of like, uh, Bucky, uh, you know, this uh, phone call's here for you. And I was just like, what? Yeah, who's? That's what I mean. I just thought, whoa, who's this lady? I was like, in no, like you mentioned earlier, Dave, in no point in the entire series did it ever allude that the Flag Smashers might have like a mole inside the government or something like, or they're dealing with higher ups. It always portrayed them as this sort of um, 
like a resistance, you know, like, you know, scraping the barrel of trying to get as many people as possible, boots on the ground thing, but never this sort of, oh, we have people in the, like a Hydra sort of thing. I'm like, what the hell? So this lady just comes up and just doesn't say it, like, doesn't say anything apart from Bucky Carly's on the phone. And again, to go back to the X-Men references, you know, when Professor X uses other people to speak to like Mystique in Days of Future Past, it's that kind of thing of like, they're in the airport and they're like, uh, Raven, don't do this. Like, remember your childhood. It's that kind of element of goofiness. You can buy into it there because that's his power. But this idea of the characters walking along and all these people go, I've got a phone call for you. Oh, Carly sends her regards. Yeah, you know, you're like, what? Yeah, I you know, just so. didn't know what was going on. And like you, I was like, so what like is Bucky's <laughs> job exactly? Like, they didn't seem to be... Like, I get it. Like, you know, you, you if you had a setup seen before that you lose the impact of sam you know bursting through the the window and in the costume and stuff i get it but they maybe there mm. could have been something after that to maybe establish some sort of plan of what they're doing because the only plan i got was that the prisoners have the, the hostages has been taken in the helicopter so sam's got to save them and i was like so what's bucky doing bucky doesn't really have anything to do until uh, john walker shows up so well, like I said, in terms of the action and where the Flag Smashers stuff goes, uh, we see in the garage the GRC senators file into armored trucks where Flag Smasher Lennox uses clamps to unknowingly lock them inside. Barnes hijacks a motorcycle and uses it to pursue the transports, while Carter remains to kill Lennox using mercury vapor. <laughs> Meanwhile, more senators board a helicopter pilot piloted by Diego, another Flag Smasher. Wilson abandons his fight with Petroc to stop it from escaping. So like we said, you know, here we are now getting into the more civilians saving the public kind of stuff. It's a bit odd because they're like the senators and stuff like that. So you're not so much saving like innocent bystanders, but it still works for the context of the show of showing Sam and Bucky saving people and not so much just like constantly trying to chase down the flag smashers and it kind of puts into perspective that element of later on i think carly says it and she, she's she's like light up the truck so he has to save them so it gives us some time i like that element of their they using their heroism to their advantage i thought that, that worked but again this sharon carter stuff i just think is not working at all i don't like the fact that she just stays behind what just to kill one guy who's just like driving off with a truck who doesn't seem to have anybody in it anyway so who cares and kills him with some weird vapor gas that we've never seen before like what does that have to do with sharon you how know? she got it on him as well i thought again that was so tropey and it just yeah. it didn't seem well executed like if she came at me like that i would feel that she's put something because i could see a hand like go yeah. inside his like um army jacket or something i was just like yeah ah. and it's that typical thing of like oh sorry you know like and it's like again you know maybe you've watched too many tv and film films but you know usually when somebody bumps into you like that and is so like deliberately putting their hand on you something's not right especially if you are a villain but again you know going back to the the wilson and Barnes stuff uh we see that diego is armed wilson uses a restored red wing to find that ayla perez a grc member on board the helicopter has flight experience i had to laugh at this as well i was just like oh how convenient um it did lead <laughs> lead to like a funny line later on and it kind of like worked for the situation they they were doing 
But um, I thought that that was, again, just so many conveniences within this series and this situation, especially like who has flight experiences? Like, oh, one of them does. Like, thank God. It's like, <laughs> so, but yeah, glad to see Red Wing back. Obviously, I was very sad that he, he uh, passed away. And I'd like to headcanon that Sam added this Red Wing. I don't want to think that like, you know, Wakanda added this, you know, that th I want to think that this is the original Red Wing. Sam took like, you know, the, the deceased remains or the, 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 the original, the original chip or computer or whatever and added him on there. I, I would like to think he has that loyalty to him. Also, something I didn't mention earlier in the fight with Petroc, I also liked when um, Sam throws the shield and Petroc just throws a chair and that stops the shield. I'm like, <laughs> is it like rock, paper, scissors? Like, you know, chair beats shield. You know, like, I'm just going to see Petroc now with a chair. That's his That's his weapon of choice. I just like that he didn't throw the chair. He kicked the chair. Yeah. <laughs> he's the leap. He has a good step with his legs. He does. He's awesome. He is good to see in action. I will say that. Uh, Red Wing is momentarily diverted when Diego disables a helicopter piloted by the NYPD. Uh, so this forces Sam to rescue the pilots. Uh, this was a really nice moment as well because you had that awesome moment with the wings on the bridge and people start to recognize him and cheer in, etc. Uh, Wilson then establishes a contact with the senator coordinating an attack. He pushes Diego out of the aircraft and into the Hudson River while Perez takes over the controls, saving the helicopter. Elsewhere, Morgenthau announces to her remaining flag smashers she plans on killing the hostages if their situation goes south, which they reluctantly go along with. So yeah, a lot of stuff uh, now starting to unravel. And as we said earlier about the change in Morgenthau's character and where we're starting to see more of the civilians getting saved and the GRC members and... Yeah, Morgenthau really pushing for, you know, this one world, one people mentality as well. So, yeah, what what did you guys make of this entire situation, Steph? Well, firstly, I do like all the scenes of Sam doing superheroing shit. <laughs> uh, but I like it when he does it in public areas. And especially when there are people around in civilians cheering uh, cheering and applauding him and that base and which he does also later on uh with a lot of locals uh you know kind of uh embracing him as captain america it really remind me of some raimi spider-man because if there's one thing i really like about these films is that new york it's kind of a character on its own especially its people they really give a lot of importance to what the hero does. And and it was a good parallel because you because again it says if you have the approval of the people of New York, then you have the true mantle of a hero. Or at least that's how they presented it in Sam Raimi's films, and this feels also here. Like it wasn't because he felt that it that he didn't that he would never he didn't need the government's approval to be Captain America. He needed the people's admiration to be Captain America. Oh yeah, mm. I agree. You know, definitely. Like, somebody's been watching my video essay, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think that uh, New York often works because it shows that the world is watching. It's that element of it's a location in which you know that the eyes of the world are on that city because it's such a populated place and it's such a big place, so many diverse people, etc. So yeah, I think it works on that basis as well. 
Yeah, I thought um, all the Sam doing cape shit was awesome as well. I bit, like you mentioned, I particularly loved when he protected that guy uh, with his wings on the bridge. That was awesome. So yeah, it's pretty much like this first half of the episode is just a lot of action beats, which I just really enjoyed. But again, as I said earlier, with the whole Carly Morgenthau thing, I was just like, ah, what's going on here? Like, I just don't understand how you've transitioned to this maniac now who doesn't care who about anyone if they get killed. And I did think there was, you know, Zemo was right. You know, Zemo was right. Like, you know, when she's saying this and like her fellow peers are like questioning her, she says one world, one people, and they don't respond instantly. She sort of gives them like this look like, what the f- like, what are you doing? S- say what I'm saying sort of thing. So Zemo was right in a way. Her supremacist, supremacist ideals are starting to come through in this episode. I just think, again, like I said, on paper, it makes sense. I just don't think it was earned to get to that point so quickly. I think that for me in the episode, it actually worked. So while I didn't buy into it so much when she bombed that facility that we saw previously, I kind of bought into it here because we saw that element of desperation and that this is her moment. You know, we've seen that in lots of stories and television programs before, like, oh my God, this is the time. This is the moment. Kind of like we said with Game of Thrones in which, you know, Daenerys, but I I completely agree with you, Jake, like that doesn't work. But the problem that there was, you know, they had like eight seasons in which we're like, we like completely were like, whoa, where did this come from? Whereas again, at least we've only seen Carly within six episodes. So it didn't seem like that much of a U-turn for me because I felt that from what we've seen again, you know, she was responsible for uh, Lamar's death. You know, she she's been getting a bit more sort of harsh with her followers. So I kind of did buy into that a bit more. And that idea of her saying one will, one people, and she's very like adamant that they saw like go along with it. And especially by the way we see her at the end where she's fighting with Sam, it's again that idea that she just, she just can't stop herself. She's like got this far now and there's nothing else she can do. So I bought into it for that reason. I also thought that a lot of people said the problem that you get with sympathetic villains and factions like this is that it, it makes them hard to one to support our heroes because they're actually fighting for a cause which is worth fighting for um but then it also means that you kind of have to do stuff like this which just turns them suddenly into um homicidal people and i've seen people pick that up and compare it to things like black panther like with killmonger where you know say oh imagine if he didn't just become a homicidal maniac but at the same time how would they then be a villain if you didn't just like have them be on the wrong side and just take things slightly too far how how would you have any sort of conflict you would just have two people who have opposing views you wouldn't have the hero and the villain you wouldn't have that like this is what makes them different in terms of killing people and i think the saying two wrongs don't make a right very much apply to somebody like carly and the flag smashers in which like again they're doing like admirable things but the way they're doing it. And I think that it's perfectly represented in many lines, but one of them is Sam, for example, who turns up and says, I'm trying something new. You should try it. And I think while some people could take issue with that as being a bit insensitive, you know, I'll get on later why I think that 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 isn't the case. But but Jake, yeah, what what do you think? Well, yeah, I I see where you're coming from, but I kind of feel as if the whole message behind this series is that there is not so it's not as clear as black and white a lot of the time. 
You know, it, there's a lot of gray, morally questionable things that you have to do and think about. Uh, so that's why I felt there could have been a bit more of a balance between that for Carly. Like, I felt that throughout the series, and I thought, oh, she's doing some dodgy stuff, but there's also, like, a certain motive behind it that I can back, even though, that, again, I still had an issue. I felt we could have seen her do more things to, like, help people. You know, she goes on a lot about helping, like, you know, the refugees and stuff like that. I felt as if there could have been more scenes with that. So, for me, it did feel like a really 180 for her to go complete. Not Hayward style, do you know what I mean? For me, for me, the Hayward of this series is Sharon Carter, and I'll get into that a bit later. Um, but it did feel a bit sort of, as I mentioned, unearned. I didn't buy her totally going villainous. And like Steph said earlier... I felt like as if her followers could have questioned her a bit more. Yeah, like, yeah, that first sequence, yeah, get on board. But then that, the scene later where she uh, says, you know, light them up so Bucky can save them, I felt there could have been a bit more resistance there. Like, they could have gone, actually, what? No, like, we're not doing We're not going to light these people on fire, like, sort of thing. But it is what it is. Let's finish this. I didn't mean to kill your friend. I don't want to hurt people that don't matter. You don't think Lamar's life mattered? Not to my fight. I just want the people on that truck. This is where it gets a bit more messy for me as well. This is why I didn't have as much issue with this part of stuff because I felt that it got a bit more cluttered at this part. So we see the Flag Smashers place blockades to stop the transport, but Barnes arrives to stop them from hijacking it. Uh, to cause a diversion, one truck is set on fire, forcing Barnes to rescue the senators. John Walker then arrives with his crude homemade shield and fights the Flag Smashers, intending to kill Morgenthau. Barnes is thrown into the Hudson and Walker is pushed aside by Morgenthau, who attempts to drive the remaining transport into the Hudson. Walker attempts to pull the vehicle back, ignoring his opportunity to kill Morgenthau and discarding his shield, but is knocked down as well. So what do you guys think of this whole John Walker situation of him coming in? I very much had the kind of element of what I say with Petroc earlier, of just the kind of like, hey, now I've turned up, you know, here's another character to add to the mix. And I was kind of like, oh, really? Do we need to, you know, complicate things here? What, what, what did you guys think, Jake? What, what was your thoughts? Yeah, I enjoyed walker to a certain extent i was very much excited to see walker in this episode from the post credit scene we got last week of him you know reforging his own shield uh, so i was going to be like ooh you know this th you know it's going to be exciting and and i thought he would want revenge on both carly and sam wilson for you know for taking back the shield and the name captain america back yeah, you know, Walker, instead, he he does choose to save lives um, instead of, you know, chasing after Carly. And I did expect some redemption from him, in a way. But, it, again, very much like Carly becoming evil, I felt his redemption wasn't earned enough because I felt his fight was with Carly, but I also felt it was as equally with Carly, but even more so with Sam after the last episode. So I was slightly underwhelmed and disappointed that, that he didn't maybe get to have some sort of scuff with Sam Wilson. Not that I'm just here for the action. I just felt that there could have been something there to then 
the speech that ha- that Sam has at the end, it m- would make more sense why John Walker would realize his wrong ways after fighting Sam. I don't know. It's just sort of what I have a feeling about it. But um, I will say I was rooting for the flag smashers when he came in. Like as they were like bashing around his shield, I was like, yeah, take away that stupid Primark shield. And like, you're not Captain America. <laughs> so it was kind of uh, um, funny, like actually rooting for the flag smashers in that case. But yeah, slightly underwhelmed with Walker. Although I am excited to see where he goes next. And we'll talk about the end scene a bit later. I might be a bit more positive than you guys, but only because I end up really liking Walker as a character. And even even though, and I, I'm not gonna lie, I actually felt really sorry for him that his uh, Primark shield was so <laughs> shit, and you could see the disappointment in his eyes once again. And you could almost feel as if he was like, man, I spent an entire end credit scene on that thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and and it's basically, obviously, the whole thing with the mate his, that he made that thing was his full-on denial on the whole situation and his blindness for revenge, which I, I, I like it because it makes sense for his character. I think that's the thing that was fine with me, even though he didn't really do much for the plot. It did actually a lot to him as a person, and especially when it came to the big dilemma between either going for revenge to to kill Carly or save the senators. And even though I didn't, I didn't think he would do it. He actually did the right thing, which, again, besides the whole public execution which he did, which I still think a part of it has probably is the serum affecting his own trauma and mental state. Because ever since then, he's always twitching his head, something he didn't do much before. Uh, unless... He's so clear in his eyes and stuff, then he so like has to keep so like rubbing his eyes to kind yeah. of... Yeah, so, so I'm pretty sure there might be some side effects from it. And so then he actually does the right thing, which obviously shows that there is still some hope in him. And yeah, beyond the public execution, beforehand, he wasn't a bad person. He did say multiple times he was trying to do the best thing he could do at the time. And and, it, and I could say that was the, actually the first moment I could actually say, now I can see you as a hero, as the hero that got three medals of honor and, and all that. And, and also... And once again, I'm like, well, again, with the flag smashers, that the fact that they like they throw the sounds into him to stop him, which again, I'm thinking, so you guys completely lost it now. Like you, you, you want for, for this to happen, which again, I still don't feel good about that. But yeah, overall, I do like what this represents for him. But still, I, I do think they could have made him more important into the plot, in a way. Uh, but again, to be honest, if they had taken the villain route, I think it would have been too predictable. So I do like, like trying to go something a bit more complex with him. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I do think that, like, again, we said about Haywood in WandaVision, it isn't just the, like, you know, moustache-twirling villain that he becomes, and that's where him saving the, the truck. I did think that that was good. I was like, okay, this is interesting. And it's interesting by the end of the episode, especially with the Sam stuff, you're like, it almost as if they are catering 
to the different audiences in a way because there are a lot of people out there who do sympathize with him so much who said hey if i was in that situation in which my best friend died i probably would have done the same thing so it's kind of interesting that it's almost as if the show is well like you said steph there's the element which i think is definitely that they're making this more of a complex character and they're not just making it like he's good he's bad they're making it more in the gray area which i think is is good and i think that that is better um but sometimes then it does feel almost as if they're like well we know that there are certain people out there who sam refers to who won't like the idea that he's carrying the shield and will want this very stereotypical captain america so make this make this captain america a sympathetic sort of character etc it's just funny on on the optics of of that sometimes but but you saying there is good in him just again just give me like anakin skywalker vibes the fact that the fact that he's got a pregnant wife i'm like oh god no is this gonna lead to her like just sort of like lying there after being killed in some situation like there is good in him i am <laughs> and he's got a black suit now and i'm like oh god <laughs> i am slightly disappointed as well there was no wrap-up with lamar's family i felt there's definitely mm. something more there that needs to be explored especially when his sister lamar's sister was giving him the evil eyes like i don't believe your yeah. shit you know what i mean as we said, you know, uh, Walker and Bucky have both been hit hit down. I, I do have to say I really enjoyed the Bucky action here as well. I thought it was really strong. It's always fun when you have that stuff with the arm. kind of brings you back to that Civil War, Winter Soldier vibes. So his action was working really well. This is the part where I felt it was really confusing in terms of which Flag Smasher was which. Because you see him get hit down by possibly Carly. But then some other Flag Smasher comes and jumps down and like hits him with like a piece of concrete. So I was like wait who's who where's carly you know etc so that was confusing uh we see wilson arrives in time to bring the truck back to the street and free the senators to the cheers of onlooking civilians and uh you know we get that you know nice moment of like that's black falcon the guy you know just like no that's that's captain america so that that was a great moment extremely cheesy yeah very i was i i wrote that very cheesy but um but, but good but necessarily cheesy i think Oh, no, no, yeah. I'm not complaining. It, it, it works. Oh, no, yeah, trust me. It does. Th- there's a moment near this em- episode where it's the most cheesiest thing you could have done, and I love it. And Steph knows which one I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah, this is the scene then where we get more of the confrontation. So uh, as he regroups with Barnes and Walker, Patroc fires smoke bombs to cover the flag smashers, escape... Uh, who escape underground yeah this is again where it just kind of turns into like oh now this guy's turned up you know like, this guy's well, like, up. i just don't understand what did what was his goal by doing that i just I, I, like, yeah yeah like, well, was he helping the flag smash or was he helping the power broker who knows yeah thankfully wilson uses his heat vision to pursue them carter lures morgenthau and confronts her offering her a chance to work with her again uh, Petroc deduces Carter as the power broker. Morgenthau realizing he was hired as a means for her to be spied upon. Petroc attempts to blackmail Carter with her identity for increased pay. She shoots him dead, but is wounded in the process. Um, I do also want to give a shout out to uh, the actor who plays Petroc because I think in The Winter Soldier, he kind of seemed like one of those actors who was just some sort of like MMA fighter or some stunt person turned actor like his performance was maybe you're like oh i'm not sure if this guy is kind of like a dave batista in the early days of like i'm not sure if acting is his thing he's obviously quite a good fighter 
But I thought that uh, Georges St. Pierre actually did a, a pretty good job in terms of acting and and selling me on the character and the the lines and everything he was doing throughout his entire series. So uh, kudos to him for for pulling all of that off. I felt that he was a an accomplished actor. I'd like to see him in more stuff. To be it's honest, it's also always very pleasant on the ears to hear French. <laughs> so uh steph what, what did you make of this entire you know confrontation with carter with morgathau with uh, patrock all these different uh, characters going on okay here we go okay <laughs> <laughs> monologuing um oh we saw it coming it was inevitable apparently here's what i'm gonna say i i did say this uh, to jake yesterday that on this episode, specifically just on this episode, I would buy it that Sharon is the power broker because of how they sold it. But it but when you come to think about the whole show, it makes no sense. So I think her plan was to work with Sam, get the pardon, and even if they don't capture Carly and the serum. She could still work within the government with her pardon and expand her empire. I don't know what else it is. <laughs> I am. And this whole thing, I've been trying to think about it the whole night. And I'm still like, why didn't you use this and that? But why specifically that? Why did you send them on the lab? You could have just given the information yourself. There's so much shit in there, which I'm like, how, why? And I'm not even touching to how a character completely changed since Civil War. In fairness, it's been seven years. So in seven years, anyone can change. Fuck, I changed for the last seven years in the UK. Uh, before, I love the UK. Now I can't stand it. So... <laughs> So yeah, so obviously I could buy uh, I could buy that she had changed through that time. Does it, but even then within the show, I don't see how all of this came to be unless if there was a huge rewrite because of the pandemic, which then I could possibly see a possibility, but I still have so many questions. To me, it comes across as very much a kind of like, oh, wouldn't this be fun? Wouldn't this be a good twist? And it kind of just relies on your investment in the twist to kind of just oversee, you know, to overlook everything. And so I, again, I don't know if it's so much the pandemic it's more just like the kind of, wouldn't it be fun if this happened? And wouldn't this be interesting rather than like it genuinely makes sense? And like you said, I, I think I can I can buy into like the change of character, but I'll get into more of my issues with it, more with the end credit scene. But I think the stuff that we've seen of her in the past, I, I can kind of buy into that she just manipulated, manipulated the situation to get to the stage that she wanted to, that she was maybe just using Sam and Bucky to draw Morgan Thau to her and to try and just follow the, the breadcrumbs in a way to sort of get to where she wanted and to get back what what she had invested in but again I just kind of question I just think it would have been better if she had just done this all in the shadows and we had just had that end credit scene reveal her rather than having to tag along and be this kind of awkward 
because it happens in quite a few TV shows in which somebody's there like secretly against them and you have to always have this awkward moment in which the characters have conveniently gone into another room and then they go into another room and kind of go, oh, well, now you need to do what I say and then the other person goes back in the room and then they have to stop talking about it. I think that that just makes really like an engaging drama and it makes it really like hokey and staged so i never like that kind of stuff because i don't buy that like sam would come into that situation see her on the floor and carly wouldn't say by the way she's the power broker or something would be said that makes sam twig what's going on that's where i don't buy into it i just don't think it's a realistic situation in which he would have walked into that situation and just had no idea about what was happening what was said there wouldn't be something that would have been mentioned that he would kind of go what 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 was that or you know so the fact that Carly would just instantly stop talking about her as the power broker, just I, I just don't get it. And also, it, also it doesn't now help that, like we said multiple times, power the power broker was a significance in all this. Mm. Like, it, like you could have just kept Sharon, Sharon Carter as she was without the reveal of the power broker, and actually wouldn't change anything. It's no. You could still buy into that Carly would have gone to that scientist on her own. Like, she didn't have to be supplied it by the power broker. And also, yeah, I'm really annoyed that she killed Patrock. Like, this is, again, like, he actually had no involvement in this final episode apart from fighting Sam, shooting some gas, uh, you know, tear gas at these people, and then having this interaction to then just get killed off. Like, it, he could have been any other, like, he could have been another Flag s- Smasher member or something like that. I just feel that's such a waste of potential that we could have used him in further MCU storytelling. I, I did appreciate that Carly did say, though, that, like, she was just like, I wanted to use this situation, you know, to, to change the world. You just wanted to sort of, like, get back at, you know, a world that you were burned by and control it and control, you know, your power. So I felt, like you said, Jake, that the, the Carly stuff was making sense. But I also had to think with the Petroc dying, if somebody didn't understand, like, to go back to the French stuff, but even if you weren't, say, reading the subtitles or you were looking at that situation and you saw a guy there pointing a gun at Carly's head and saw making demands at Sharon, you would think that that demand would be, I will kill Carly if you don't do what I say. But it's not. He's saying, I will tell the world that you were the power broker. So how does it make sense to hold a gun to somebody's head saying, I will tell the world that you were the power broker? I'm like... Well, why are you holding the gun? Hold to it to Sharon. Then? That, what are you the, doing? The, <laughs> yeah, the physical, yeah, the, the the imagery and what you're saying don't make any sense. So again, I don't know if that was pandemic related. I don't know if they changed the lines because of something, as we've seen as they've changed things like news reports and, and dialogue that we've seen out of shot and that kind of stuff. But that seemed weird to me. Obviously, we all agree that this, this is very... Yeah, muddy kind of stuff, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And we'll get more onto it with the end credit scene. So you're the power broker. You hired Batroc to spy on me. Carly, you know I'm always prepared. Get out my way. I'm done with these games. Alors maintenant, power broker, tu vas devoir me payer quatre fois ce que tu me devais. Four times. Or... Outside, uh, Walker and Barnes, Lord Dovich, Didi, and Gigi into the hands of authorities. Wilson arrives in a final attempt to negotiate with Morgenthau and refuses to fight her even as she furiously attempts to kill him. 
As she raises a firearm at Wilson, Carter fatally shoots Morgenthau, who dies in Wilson's arms. Wilson brings Morgenthau's corpse to a medical team outside and chastises the GRC centers regarding their plan to forcefully relocate millions along with their labeling of her supporters as terrorists. So obviously we'll get onto the, the, the speech and that entire scene. What did you guys think of the sort of final confrontation with Carly and Wilson? I liked the fact that he wasn't willing to fight her, etc. That was a sort of again showed the the pure aspects of Sam and why he's a different hero. I liked the joke with Barnes about like it's a nice app, you know, like I said earlier, it's you know taking the piss of how stupid that that element of the storyline was and highlighted the the major flaw in using an app has. But uh yeah, I kind of still felt the walker was misplaced here. I didn't I don't know why he was running along with them as if they were this trio of characters. I'm like this is the Falcon and Winter Soldier. I want to see Bucky and Falcon like taking on this this mission and fighting together i i felt the walker just felt like a third wheel in this situation and and they almost knew that because of the the interaction that they have i love Bu- uh, bucky's line of saying like you know <laughs> <Yeah>. lincoln <laughs> you know it's, it's not good when you say it like that was fun but i just still it, it just and it just underpinned to me why he was just unessential in that situation it just screamed i suppose like steph i sympathized and felt sorry for walker that he was like yay i'm part of the team and you're just like oh you don't see it do you man you're just like the little you're like the kid who's tagging along with the people who don't like you (laughs) well what i saw about it i mean again it's a it's a plot convenience thing but when they're running after him sam can see you know with his heat vision that they've split up so and so John Walker immediately goes one way. He's like, I've got this. So the way I look at it, because B- Bucky looks at Sam and says, you know, uh, I'll go with him sort of thing. I think it's Bucky going with him to make sure he doesn't go overboard. Oh, yeah. Way. Yeah. I think it just again to me, it's just my problem with just Walker being in this scenario at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. overall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I do really like the fight between Carly and Sam. I have to give credit to Erin Kellyman in her acting in this particular thing because she is screaming and you can feel the emotion when she's hitting Sam like, why won't you fight mm. me? Why won't you fight me? Like she is completely selling it there. And like to a point where I was just, whoa, she she is badass and she's going to kill him if he doesn't do something, you know? And she does, you know, get a one up on him, you know, knocks the shield out of him and stuff like that. Or I do really like that image of when he holds the shield up and then his wings come down and piercing yeah. to the floor you know it's that stance and i th- also th- you know it's a metaphor i think as well for the captain america you know symbol of i will not move you know you yeah. move. and it also thing. shows how him as not being super powered how he can use because i i was worried that if we did when he discarded his wings in the last episode he was like keep them and i was like oh no i hope we still have the wings because it's how he gets around the fact that he hasn't got the super serum or he isn't super powered because like you said he can use them to still hold his own and put them into the ground um so yeah i, I agree like the, the action stuff you're seeing with the wings adds to how he is still able to go toe-to-toe with these super powered characters i also do have to shout out as well to Anthony Mackie's like stunt person as well that moment where he's like flipping and barrel rolling in in the air and stuff like that was really cool as well again it showed how Sam is a different kind of cap and and fights in a different way. I thought that that was really good. Steph, what what did you make of this uh, final conflict with the two of them? 
uh, well, with the two of them, I did like it. It did really remind me of uh, Steve and Bucky and Winter Soldier. You know, the whole thing in the end where Steve will refuse to, to harm Bucky, uh, which, again, Sam does exactly the same thing because he does actually like Carly and he believes in her cause. He tries to be the better person. Which we know even afterwards he really amplifies that with his final speech. And and I did like it. I do think this is the most powerful moment of Carly. I just wish I had that involvement with her. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure because they had everything right in the moment for me to really be engaged with it and really be on both the sides. But I didn't. And when in the end Carly dies, I only cared because some cared. And which it is an extremely disappointing thing. Because in the end I feel that Carly was just an instrument for the main character. And which we will talk more about in the end. But yeah, and like you said. Sharon taking the shot when we saw her before, before being on the ground. Yes, it is a trope. And it's even a bigger trope when that character is actually evil and they do the shot because they're trying to hide their own identity. And Which, again, I'm like, I just, I like I like when Carly says, you know, I'm sorry and all that to, to Sam. Because it does seem like an actual moment of regret for everything she's done. Which is great. You do need that. With that kind of character. But. If you were dying. You got shot by the power broker. You mm. would tell the guy that you obviously trust. To mm. tell him. She's the power broker. Fucking kill her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Don't trust Sharon. Yeah, like, like, I'm, I'm being like. Come on. Like, uh, anyways. Beyond that. Yes. But then afterwards. The whole thing with. Um, Walker and Bucky. I think I would have been. Far better with it if there was a fight. Like I would have liked to see the two of them fighting the other three uh, smashers, and there would be a point where Bucky kind of like pulls Walker a bit down. Like he, like this is the moment that we kind of like seeing, like we're starting seeing Walker being more of himself and not the murderous psychopath that we had before. I would have preferred to have seen that than just. A silly joke about the stupid app with a stupid phone. Let's go on to the speech, which I, I have to pick up, if not, you know, some, like pretty much all of this, because there's so many moments in this that I love and I think are so impactful and just brave. I think, you know, I have to like, I was just like cheering and clapping and throwing my hands up in the air for this moment of the speech, because one, it is so relevant today. It's so relevant to what certain people feel and the struggles that we're all going through and just the way that I think that we can go forward and especially the fact that Marvel and Anthony Mackie and the writers went there and just called it out and just called out certain elements. Look, you people have just as much power as an insane god or a misguided teenager. The question you have to ask yourself is, how are you going to use it? so many great moments within this scene so many great lines and there's so many elements of it that i love um but the one that i do want to pinpoint first is just 
And I, I saw a criticism of the themes in this episode. And I just want to say, I completely disagree with what they're saying to you. And it's when he says, you know, I am a black man wearing the stars and stripes. And I know that there are millions of people out there who are going to hate me for it. Even now here, I feel it. And I think that that is so powerful that Disney just said it. They went, yeah, there are racist people out there and there are millions of them and they are going to hate this person. Somebody said on Twitter, uh, not a single person was shown to judge Sam as the new Captain America because he is black. You didn't show a single person against it. People cheered him and the senator didn't even comment on it. Do you know why that fucking is? Because Disney doesn't want to give the fucking time of day for fucking racist assholes like that because they want 80-year-old boys to watch this program and say, I could be Captain America. So fuck you if we don't want to see some racist on screen going like, I don't want, he's not my Captain America. This program is about showing why Sam feels that way, why he feels that he's like judged as a person, not because it's like showing like, oh, see how this like vision, like we are showing that this is the case. No, it's enough that Sam is saying it on his own. It's enough that that character feels that way and he is portraying that in his speech and he is just pointing it out. So fuck you with your kind of like, oh, I just want to see like some racist person to really emphasize that the world's racist. No, we all know this fucking racist out there. I don't need to see them on my television. Thank you very much rant over <laughs> I, I i thought i was the heated one on the show. <laughs> as, I, as i was saying it i was like you know fuck this i wasn't even that angry when i first started saying it but the more i said it the more angry i got I, I, yeah like uh, i don't know what else to say now <laughs> yeah jake what, what any other moments on this speech to stand out like i said so many moments so many yeah lines. so to me the it obviously the whole thing like as I was watching it, I was cheering, clapping. I was saying "fuck yes, Sam." Do you know, man? Like stick it to the man, sort of thing. Um, one line in particular, I, I'm paraphrasing, but it's towards the end where he says, "Like when you're making these decisions, who are the people in these rooms with you? Not the people that these decisions affect. It's more people like you." And this is something I've, you know, truly believe in and fight for that corporations billionaires and stuff the people who make the decisions that impact our lives have no idea what our lives are actually like don't know the daily struggles that we go through so who are these people to make these decisions you know what i mean fuck these people that's what i say Do you yeah know what I mean? no that's why that did hit home so much because it, it sticks to very much my beliefs of like how can you have somebody who's from like a rich manor house who lives in a big mansion say oh this is how people are struggling on minimum wage when they have no fucking idea about that life so yeah that was such a good call out and it was like exactly. yes thank you you know and the great thing about this speech is that, you know, it's reaching out to me in that aspect. I'm sure it's going to reach out to a lot of people of color in different aspects that, you know, I can't understand. And that's all right, you know. Um, but that's what makes this such a good speech is that it's hitting on all these different notes that I believe every person in this world can resonate with or find something in there that they go, fuck, man, that's true. I'm going through a similar thing myself. You know what I mean? Maybe not these billionaire corporations, you know, they got their own shit, but, you know, the common every man, the, the every person, for God's sake. And I think that's what Sam represents the most. Steve, absolutely, he was the symbol of America, but that was for a different time. That was more of a, uh, he was more of a symbol for the country, for the flag and what it supposed what it's supposed to represent. 
Um, while Sam, it truly, he is a Captain America of the people themselves. The people who, you know, made America with their hands. You know, they bled for it. They sweated for it. That's who Sam Wilson is for me as Captain America. And this scene just tops it off. I also I find it funny how throughout this whole series, none of these senators are given names. They're just senator. <laughs> so it is kind of funny. but um, Especially what, the fact what, they use that American one so much. Like I'm like, so you're pardoning Sharon, you're getting rid of Walker, and you're the guy on the GRC. Like, how many roles do you have? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he seems to be getting around, you know what I mean? Like, um, But yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say, really. It's just fantastic writing in this instance. Is it a bit heavy-handed? Yes, but I think it's necessarily heavy-handed because it's a wake-up call to wake fuck up, you know? So, like you, big two thumbs up and big massive admiration for Disney and Marvel Studios for going there and saying it. So, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's like you said, like what, like I said earlier, if you were going to have like a ca- character like Carly, you know, it's, it takes characters to say these things. And it's actually pointed out a bit later by Isaiah where he mentions... Martin and Malcolm, you know, mm. there's, I think that there's that parallel that you have Malcolm, who's often mentioned, and Malcolm X, who's mentioned as the more radical, more violent, like we have to do this through violence, and Martin Luther King, which says, no, we can reason with these people, we can talk peacefully. And that's kind of like how the situation here is handled and in many other sort of hero and villain stories. I'm glad you brought up um, Isaiah Bradley because I forgot I was wanting to mention this is that during the speech, you know, we get a lot of cut scenes to like, different people like listening to the speech or watching the speech and we cut to Isaiah Bradley watching it now considering what he said in the last episode you know no self-respecting black man would want to be Captain America for him to see Sam say this publicly and then you just see that smile on his face ah man that got to me that really got to me it was just respect, yeah. wasn't it? It was like, fair play. Yeah. And and actually, I was going to mention this as well, is that the impactful thing we had where we mentioned about uh, John learning his lesson and seeing how maybe he wasn't uh, right for the role, I I think it was not long after the, like, I'm a black man carrying the stars and stripes, we cut to John and he, like, looks down like, yeah. oh, shit. And I'm like, thank you. And I'm like, this is like, you know, what all we needed to see is that John realizes that this wasn't his place to, to take over this role and the impact that he's having and how he could be a part of the problem and how he could be one of these people who are, you know, the elite who don't realize the struggle, etc. So I think that that was very telling that they cut to a shot of John in that situation and why people definitely shouldn't, her- you know, herald him as a hero. Yes, I think he can still be a sympathetic character and he's complex and he has pros and cons. But um, yeah, I don't think it's right to just say like, oh, you know, John was right and, you know, he's a perfect, uh, perfect character because this scene emphasized why Sam is the better cap. He's the one who was willing to actually reason with these people and fight for what Carly was trying to fight for because he felt that ultimately she was right. Whereas Walker possibly would have gone, yeah, we've defeated them. They are the terrorists. He would, you know, he called them, you know, he labeled them terrorists himself. So, and I also like the element of, we're all in this together. We all have a, a, a struggle because it's kind of like links to what we've been going through over the past year. The coronavirus has shown that it doesn't, you know, yes, it can be more deadly for the poor, unfortunately, because they live, you know, a, a poorer lifestyle. So it's easier for disease and stuff to affect them. But, you know, at the same time, the, the prime minister of the fucking UK was hospitalized by coronavirus. The president of the United States was hospitalized by it. You know, so like... 
it was a common struggle throughout the world with this virus. And it's the same thing here. There's so many times there are elements that happen which people of high power can just say, oh, well, we'll just pass this act and that will sort it out um, because it's a complicated situation and we don't want to deal with it. It's like, no, everyone's dealing with this. You know it's complicated, but you have to just deal with the complexities of it because it's not... Because that guy said, "I'm um, like, oh, well, how would you feel if you, like... Um, woke up, uh, yeah, somebody was in your house, you re- yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, well, wouldn't that have happened for people who weren't refugees anyway? Like, surely just if I lived in my house in the UK and then I dusted surely somebody else would have moved into my house and then i would have reappeared and that would have happened anyway regardless of whether i was a refugee they were a refugee so that would have been a problem regardless of refugees so i I don't really see that that um argument making any sense yeah it's it's a really good monologue it very much represents everything we've seen in the show and even though in other cases maybe if it was a film it would have been far more cheesy but this time it does feel genuine and generally to the the show overall, to the character overall, and and also when I like that we kind of revisited almost every character we've seen re- related to Sam, to Sam's story, and we see this moment of pride in each one of them, and it kind of like really solidifies him as the new cap, and yeah, and also I did like. The moments where we had we were cutting back to Walker, with during the speech, and we could see his his own understanding to everything and and, and empathy to Sam, which I, I could see that that was the moment for him that he kind of leaves the mantle of Captain America behind, and which again very much reaches his character character a lot more, and of course Bucky on the side just you know smiling with absolute pride for well now he's his friend not just co-workers <laughs> so i i did really enjoy this um we've worked on the fine line between genuine emotion to lecture because um especially especially me as a as a person of color i don't always like when hollywood media it's telling me what discrimination is, but this time it does feel more real than most of uh, by Hollywood biopics about race I have seen lately, which that is a like, completely different conversation. But yeah, but I do like the trying to get that approach again, like you guys said, the unfortunate correlation with the with a pandemic at the moment hits really hard and it's even sadder when you think that normally you would think we all have the same struggle we should work together and we still don't and and but i but it does give me hope when i see here that they, they actually are trying the best and hope for us maybe we're gonna reach that point too but again like i said in the last episode i kind of I was hoping we wouldn't have a very clear ending to the whole uh, sociopolitical issues. And I still don't think we are, but I kind of wish there was a bit more level of complexity. But I do admire where we ended up with this. And and they didn't say that everything got fixed. They just said that they kind of postponed the vote, which 
which I think it's a it's a good starting point. Uh, but I do hope we're gonna go back to this soon, because it was such a huge deal in the whole show. I do wish that we're gonna see more of it in the MCU. I I mean I think we are because you know we'll get into it a bit. But when we meet Isaiah Bradley a bit later, when he's in his garden, he tells Sam, you know, this is you're gonna struggle. This is gonna be difficult for you. And Sam's like, you know, bring it on, sort of thing. So yeah, uh, with regards to Bucky as well, two little things. It's right after Sam finishes the speech. First, it's he ca- he calls him Cap, which I really like, and he you know he pat he pat, he pats him on the back, and then <laughs> the joke I really like. He's like, "Oh, I was texting. Uh, I you know all I heard was a black man in Star Star Stars and Stripes." <laughs> just Sebastian Stan's delivery of it. I just thought, oh, that worked really well. It was funny, and then you know Sam looking at him, he smiles at him, and then there's just something about them looking at each other. Where, as you said, Steph, they are now friends. Like, they are not still what Bucky and Steve had. It is a different friendship, but they, are, they do have a mutual respect for each other now. Sorry, I was, uh, I was texting, and so all I heard was I'm um, a black guy in Stars and Stripes. <laughs> nice job, Cap. Thanks. So, yeah. As we mentioned, uh, you know, Sam recognizes himself as a controversial bearer of the Stars and Stripes. He urges the GRC to to consider the displaced view of the world, warning them the next Kali will rise should they fail to represent the people they are dealing with. Among those viewing Wilson on live television include Torres, Sarah Wilson, Isaiah Bradley, and Eli Bradley. And again, yeah, I thought that was a nice inclusion to have Torres watching as well. I thought that, that was a nice inspirational moment for the character. So brought a nice sort of say, arc to that. It also would have been nice to see Lamar's family watching it. Yeah, I well, that's like you said, when, when his sister was giving dirty looks to Walker, I think I said in last week's review, I was expecting to see her react to Sam as Captain America. So... I was surprised that that wasn't in there. I don't know why they didn't do it. So uh, while Walker walks away from the scene, Carter apologizes to Wilson for killing Morgenthau. (laughs) Don't worry, Sharon. You can just apologize for killing, like, you know, one of the lead characters. Sorry. Uh, Who retains his promise to get her pardoned. At the behest of a GRC senator, he rescues Diego from the Hudson to be apprehended alongside his comrades. However, as they are taken to the raft, they are killed when their transport yes. explodes. <laughs> Helmut Zemo's butler, Oisnik, Hell yes. from a Hell yes. secretly <laughs> planted the explosive. Guys, it was Oisnik all, all along. I'm sorry, this guy should have been the fucking power broker. Oisnik should have been the power broker. Oh my god. I'm it on a I would have totally bought that way more. <laughs> yeah. Oisnik is the power broker. I'm headcanning in that right now. Honestly, I burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> when, like, so obviously that sh- it shocked me to see it blow out. I was, oh fuck, like who's done that? And then to see the butler. <laughs> and then we cut to the raft where Zemo's listening to it. And honestly, it is the most fourth wall (laughs) breakage the MCU has ever done. And it's so cheesy, it's so tropey, but my God, I love it. He just slowly turns to the camera. 
smiles and then like just lies down and i just cheered and laughed so much i was like yes Evo! he's the true mvp of this series do you know what i say about the butler coming back oh it's good to have you back say it's good to have you <laughs> back, back. <laughs> so oh. steph what did you think of this entire massive twist that we didn't see coming compared to another bad twist it's so fucking strange that how we're so <laughs> believing that a old man <laughs> with a suit was able to put a bomb in the fucking truck only killing the bear only killing the the, the smashers not anyone else we believe that but not sharon yeah. being the power broker <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's way more believable somehow and the thing is i didn't even question it i was like i believe this i am like yes of course he did he works for zemo for fuck's sake so i mean of course yeah th- this guy was willing to give sam and bucky the slightly gone off food this guy is sinister <laughs> we know this but yeah no it, it's great i mean to be fair it's very that, that's the thing it's very true to the character of course, Zima will plan and contingency plan to do his mission. Of course, he would. It's, I think, and I think that is a very clear definition of why the one works and the other one doesn't. And mm. and yeah. It's almost like he doesn't want to share the raft with them as well. It's kind of like Simo's <laughs> like, I'm not sharing with any super soldiers. <laughs> but also, we do have to say that even though almost all the smashers died that one guy Diego who was on the river he's still alive and I imagine he has mm. a serum because he's still alive from the fall so that means there is one super soldier still alive so yeah which, which I don't know mm. if we're ever going to have it <laughs> I don't think we're ever going to see Diego again but we need to point it out as it could be a possibility but I doubt it especially if he goes to the raft and Zima will not have it <laughs> So, yeah, at the raft, the imprisoned Zemo delights, uh, delights in, <laughs> with Turkish delights. Of, <laughs> uh, in with the news of the Flag Smasher's demise. In, uh, meanwhile, the GRC formally announces they are leaving their plans of forced resettlement behind. Although no one is suspected, Valentina Allegra de Fontaine recognizes the scheme as Zemo's doing. Walker, with a modified suit, sands the Captain America Brandon is recruited by Fontaine as a U.S. agent. So, yeah, what do we think of now we see that Fontaine is back? Uh, she has a lot of, again, understanding of everything that's going on. This seems to be links to Zemo, to Oisnik, possibly the power broker. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes forward in terms of what is the collective here, who is in touch with who, who knows who especially with the you know the Sharon power broker stuff um but I, I think this leads to a lot of great lines it's gl- it's it's nice that we did finally just we've been calling him US agent entire season but he never really was until this moment which I think uh is great um and I also like when she says she's like was I involved in it no I wasn't it's like or maybe I was I didn't or did I? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I just thought that that was really fun. Really stuck to the character. Again, I know Steph would be loving it because of the actress. She's just 
killing it here. Did you guys see on social media where she had to kind of go oh, around with Palpatine on set? <laughs> yeah. She had the sunglasses <laughs> on and everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, what did you guys think of uh, the, the introduction of US Agent and uh, seeing Fontaine back? I'll let Steph take this because I know he loves Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Exactly, yeah. Now, it's, it's so spot on to vape or her character of it by Selena Mayer, like, and I could see why they the casted her. They, especially for the character, I could see why they're going with her overall the MCU, and she does bring that very subtle of, uh, of comedy and intimidation, like because they do make her funny, but you do understand that she has power. And even though it was very short, it, it it feels like a very cute tease to what she could do later on. And I do hope she becomes like a big character at some point, because uh, especially because I know that Julia Dreyfus has the acting ability to go full on fucking crazy, and I want her to use that at some point. And yeah, actually, um, like I said before. Multiple times, I um, was very surprised at how much I actually liked Walker overall as a character. I think he's a very interesting addition to everything. And I'm glad that we finally have him as a US agent. And and I did feel a bit happy when he, he and his wife were happy that he's back at the game. But also, I think the way it was shot with the, it was, you know, a very wide, long shot. It didn't seem celebratory. It felt almost somewhere between that there was something, not something necessarily positive, but ambiguous to what this could be. Because usually these kind of shots, like later on where we see an embrace of two characters, we usually go far closer to them to, to show their emotions. But in this case, it was there was far more shadow than actual... Um, happiness in the moment. I was going to say, I also think they needed to make it a bit more, I think for me anyway, a bit more clearer on the situation with John Walker. Is he accepted again by the US government? Because cause, cause they were in the exact same room where he was stripped of the title. So, but is is Madam Hydra working? Is she a part of the U.S. government? Has she got her own private thing going? They didn't seem to make that very clear. It's just like Starbucks. It's just like we'll meet at this place, you know. Like it's just an easy <laughs> communal place to to to, to catch up yeah. and to you know to to meet up. Um, but yeah, and and personally as well for seeing the character like Steph, I'd like to see that sort of like emotional side. But also, I like that they didn't show him with like a shield or anything, because as I mentioned earlier, I think it's important that he has a completely different shield to Sam. I don't want him to have a round shield. I think he should have like a very different shield. And I also think I'd, I'd be interested in how they construct it, because Hydra or whatever organization he's working with, it'd be interesting to see their influence, because I don't think it should be made of vibranium either. I think that it should be whether there's some other... Adamantium, You know, adamantium or something. Yeah, exactly. There needs to be some other powerful metal. It can't always be vibranium. But I would also like to think that, one, the Wakandans wouldn't want to give vibranium for that situation. And we don't want to have another claw situation of like, oh, it's a vibranium stolen from... You know, you want to have like different kind of weapons, different metals, etc. So I think that that would be interesting. 
things are about to get weird. So when they do, we're not going to need a Captain America. We're going to need a U.S. agent. That's great. Keep your phone on. Will do, Val. Don't call me that. Copy. Thank you. U.S. agent. <laughs> it's interesting for the next part of it because I kind of will treat this part of the episode in the same way that this description will in that it's very brief and it shows that like the first description is like, you know, we got an entire paragraph talking about U.S. agent. We got an entire paragraph for the Isaiah stuff. But unfortunately, we've just got one sentence, which is back in New York, Barnes visits Yori Nakajima and reveals the truth behind his son's death. <laughs> That's, that's it. Pretty, that's pretty, you know, that's more. He's he sees Leah the next day while leaving uh, Dr. Christina Rayner his completed list. Yeah. And so he can see that. But yeah, I thought this was unfortunate that we kind of mm, had to definitely. just rush this, um, especially because they did so much emphasis on this at the beginning of the series. And the fact we've just had episode five, which took the time to like focus on Isaiah, Bucky, all these different elements and give it the hour long runtime. I'm like, well, why don't you just make this episode just a bit longer so we could see more of that? Um, and it was just strange how we didn't really get to see, we, we saw it from Bucky's point of view. Yeah, he got to unburden himself of that information, but we didn't really get to see that much of the impact on Yuri. And it was just kind of like a rush scene in which you had just weird moments in which he's like, oh, quick, get in before someone calls the cops. I was like, why would somebody call the cops? Like, I know you're visiting late at night, but, you know, like Bucky is, you know, Bucky's not on the run or anything. I know it's, you know, it just seemed weird to me that they were like quickly getting as almost as if the show was saying, quick, we need to get this scene over with. So what did what did you guys think, uh, Steph? Or what was your reactions? Uh, it was, I understand why they went that quick, because we've already established the importance of this move beforehand. But because it was something that it seemed to be the main struggle of Bucky from the very first episode, I wish we had like a proper scene with it. As it is as supposedly it's supposed to be his own emotional climax of the whole thing. And also it's strange because the previous episode Sam was saying that this is not supposed to be about you, it's supposed to be about them, the people you wronged. But the scene plays out on him only, and his own mental health, not the person that he wronged. Which feels very bizarre to me, that at one point you tell me one thing and then you do another. But, because I do care about Bucky, and and I can and you can see how much he struggles to say the truth, especially when he says that 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 he was the Winter Soldier really hurts him to admit that, and it was like you it goes back to when he um he made amends with the Hydra politician in the first episode how easier for him it was back then, but now like you get this far more struggle, far more pain. And it is for someone that he generally cares about. Um, but I did like afterwards that we go back to the therapist and he basically completed the whole book. And he actually leaves a good note for once. And yeah, and I, and I could, but I could, I could feel that he has 
moved on and especially from his own guilt and he's ready to like to go to the next step so then we see that uh, wilson visits the bradley family in baltimore affirming to isaiah that although those who came before him bled for the country it doesn't mean he won't stop fighting for it he takes them to the smithsonian uh, where he reveals he set up an exhibit to immortalize the Bradley story, bringing Isaiah and the audience to tears. Yeah. Uh, Jake, oh, man. what was your reaction My to this? My God. Um, first of all, I will say, throughout the whole series, Isaiah Bradley's only been in three scenes, one in episode two, episode five, and now in this one. Well, sort of two scenes in this one. And they have all been my favorite scenes of the entire series. Uh, for two things. One, for obviously all the powerful themes and messages that they're tackling and addressing. But two, I have to give it up for Carl Lumbly because what a performance from this guy. Like with the amount of few scenes he's in and the, you know, not much dialogue overall in the whole series, he is arguably probably the best performer in this entire show because he is selling you everything from his dialogue, his facial expressions, looking into his eyes, especially, you know, we talked um, off air about how I thought about him in last week's episode, the pain and horror that you can see in his eyes when he's telling the story. And to come to this, you know, um, scene where he's got a newfound respect for Sam, you know, you know, he acknowledges Sam is fighting for something new and fresh. He's going to try something different. Um, so he, but he still tells him, you know, you're going to struggle. And I do like the sort of joke line. He's like, you know, you ain't no Malcolm or Martin, but, but you're all right, kid, you know, sort of thing. So I really like that form of respect. And then as we then go, he's like, come on, I've got to show you something. I was like, oh, what's he going to show him? Then we, we see the museum. And at that moment I was like, oh my God, he, is it, is he, is he actually going to do this? And I could just feel the tears starting to come out. Then we move into the scene and just seeing Carl Lumbly's face, Asaya Bradley's face, as he sees all this. And then you see the memorial and the statue. Honestly, I just burst into tears. I could not cope at that moment. I was just sort of, you know, going, damn you, Marvel, you always get me with these sort of things. Yeah, so Sam is trying to show Asaya that his place as a soldier in history will not be forgotten, you know? The world needs to know about Asaya's sacrifice, and Sam knows that. And again, this goes back to a difficult topic that people have, that throughout history, especially in America, unfortunately, there is a, you know, there is um, a track of them erasing historical moments that involve black people. And so Sam recognizes that on a real-life world level and in this personal level for Asaya and goes... He needs to be represented. So this this is not just something individual for Asaya, but for the whole, like for, for, race, for black people in general, it's a sign of representation. We need to know what these people went through. And the fact that he says, now they'll never forget. So he's saying that like it, it will live beyond them, that that legacy and that story is there, which I think is really impactful. Uh, Steph, what did you think? I think that this... Actually, both scenes of Asaya, the previous scene of Bucky and the final scene in Louisiana, I think this kind of sum up the heart of the whole show. And it's that that 
with all the shit we say about the power broker and flag smashers and all that, it does not matter because those thi- those scenes truly show what the whole thing was about. And I think that is why I am far more positive on the show and I'm ready to overlook all the issues because what I felt with these three scenes is probably one of the more impactful things I have felt from the MCU because it goes beyond the franchise. It goes to something unfortunately very real and then to and then it goes to personal especially to the final see the final montage in Louisiana seeing Sam and his family and Bucky which kind of also becomes a surrogate to that family and seeing the whole community together that just was so heartwarming that I didn't expect I would have in the MCU overall I mean, I did have it in Wonder Vision with with the one with Wonder Vision and their relationship, and then seeing that also bring uh, brought up here kind of really signifies what the franchise can be, and especially with the shows. And yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it it was great. Everything about this worked way too well that I was I was expecting to. And I only have to give praise. I don't even have any negative notes on all that. And and I and I'm glad and I'm glad I went there. And and also I am very glad that they uh they're making a new Captain America film. And especially with the same writers. So that is which I was hoping to get something like that on the big screen. And and also, I do hope we see Isaiah again. I would love to have Isaiah Bradley as a mentor figure for Sam to be whenever he's like down, he needs some comfort or some advice, he would be there. Like, like uh, a Gandalf. I guess, like a Gandalf. Or, um, uh, you know, an Uncle Ben, but without a death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Mm, yes. Yeah, don't do that to us. Yeah, no. so oh, that, that and, and like I said, also, from the very first episode, I really like all the supporting characters that I'm seeing because they all have an emotional involvement with our heroes, and I do hope we keep them mm. later on. Yeah, especially Sam's family. I would like to see more of Sarah and see if that you know relationship between her and Bucky kicks off. That'd be <laughs> quite funny to see. Mm-hmm, yeah. Also, that barbecue looks great. Oh yeah, very tasty food going on right there. Louisiana is famous for his food and uh, you can see why but yeah Bucky like when the kids were like hanging off his arm and he's like casually talking it's like it's doing both things it's showing him as this kind of flirt he's chatting to Sarah and like her friend but also it's kind of nice that it's like it's like Uncle Bucky kind of thing so Uncle Buck <laughs> no it's like Uncle Bucky that he's there that he can have some link to a family and he can keep it at a certain distance which is comfortable for him because of his sort of more like anxieties and his social issues or just the experience he's had of being like this man out of time etc and i think that'll be that'll be nice for him and it's also so great to see bucky actually being happy i think we haven't really seen being so 
smiling so much and enjoying his time since probably the first Avenger when he was hanging with Steve and the rest of, of the of the gang. So it so it does feel like a great bookend to the whole story for both of them. And especially like you said before, with the two of them, you know, you know, you know, holding the shoulder of each other and just walking away uh, from and uh, you know into the party, you know, I think that is like the best way to end this, and especially with the final title card, mm. the change they make. A good song as well going on in the background. Good song choice. Now they'll never forget what you did for this country. Never. With the Isaiah stuff, I like that they still kept uh, Eli sort of involved with it. It wasn't just focused on Isaiah because a lot of this is to to do with sort of passing on to the next generation. But yes, he is an important character within the comics, etc. as well. Uh, he's played by Elijah Richardson. I thought he did a good job here of show, sort of showing that enthusiasm, like, oh, where are we going? And it, it sort of, I, I suppose, added to that emotion that like when Isaiah was like holding him when he arrived... Um, I also loved, again, this showed the difference between who Sam is as a character and Isaiah. And he's like, man, do you ever lighten up? <laughs> like, and Eli's just there like, nope, nope. nope. And I, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I've known some people in the past who are like Isaiah, who are just negative as fuck. So I sympathize with Sam in that situation. Um, but um, obviously, I mean, negative is in just daily life. Just a, a, a grumpy old man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I liked that. I love the power and influence that Sam now has as well. The fact that like he's got that influence that he can make that exhibit. I love that aspect of him is that again, it adds to that community, that man of the community aspect that he wants to use his influence to try and do better things and to try and like Bucky with the Wakandans, you know, he says, hey, can you do this for me? Sam is very much the same. And, and we didn't see that as much from people like Cap or or even uh steve you know we didn't we saw them so like yeah care for people and look out for them uh but this was like a gesture which i think was very much true to sam's character which i thought was nice and shows the power he has as captain america now as well um, but in a lot more sort of local kind of grounded way rather than just you know him coming and doing this massive parade or something like that i thought that that stuck stuck true to the character like Jake, I saw went through an entire journey with this scene in which I was just like, oh, where are they going to go? Oh, he's just going to do some gimmicky thing. Like he's going to take him up in a jet or something. Or he's going to show him the wings so he can experience being a hero or show him the shield or whatever. But then when you see that they walk into the Smithsonian, I was like, oh God. I was like, oh no, I could feel the emotion coming. I thought it was just going to be a picture like on the montage. And I was like, oh, that'd be nice. And then when they go into like an entire other area i was like oh god no don't do this to me and i was like it's again it's the idea of like seeing elderly people like cry and the fact that he has such emotion like you said j carl lumley really adds to this and yeah i think it's like you said it's the fact that we are in this moment now in in real life in which we are acknowledging the past and not erasing those of color so that's like literally this is portraying that by showing that this museum is now going hey we covered this up before, but now we are putting it to the people and showing this chapter of our history as ugly as and as shameful as it might be that this 
happened and they had to go through these atrocities, we are being open and transparent about it. Similar to how, say, you know, like Germany will be open about, you know, the fact that they did a bad thing by triggering World War II, etc. It's that it's that acceptance of the past, um, but celebrating those who deserve recognition and that statue and that entire exhibit, you know, perfectly represents that. So, um, you know, I think that that was great. And yeah, to to carry on with what you guys said about the entire last moment, I loved seeing them like arm in arm at the end. They were really friends. And just that shot of the ocean, that was a really beautiful shot. I really like that sunset on, on the on the sea. It's, it's nice when, again, these properties can kind of just slow down and just focus on a nice shot of the sea and the ocean. And, you know, that I think that, that very much is symbolic of itself as well, you know, is that often that kind of connection with nature and the water and everything like that is a time of being, you know, tranquil and at peace and sort of moving on. So I thought it was a nice place for the series to end. Wilson and Barnes return to Louisiana, where Sarah and the locals had a celebratory cookout. Watching the sunset on the horizon, the two brothers in arms carry on as Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Uh, So I loved that title. I thought that that was a really nice touch. Uh, we then get on to the mid-credit scene. Actually, be, actually, before you go, that I don't want to say I would have preferred to have changed the White Wolf. Oh, <laughs> uh, you and the White Wolf. No, 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 no. I, I'm going to say that because the whole point of the show was for him to leave the identity of the Winter Soldier behind. Well. I kind of disagree. I think by the end of it, the show is more about Sam. Obviously, obviously, I do, I do agree with that. I just. Okay, fine. Also, I, I, the, I, I'm with the optics of a, a black man as Captain America, then coupled alongside White, White wolf. wolf. I'm not sure if that <laughs> would sort of go very well. Fine, fine. I, uh, I think um, our um, other member of Capes, Cows, and Mask, Tom Gapper, is probably going to be very disappointed that we haven't got Cap Wolf. <laughs> I know, he's obsessed with Cap Wolf. But yeah, I, I, I do agree in the sense it still seems weird that Winter Soldier is like the assassin name and he's still just going along with that. Maybe he should just be Captain America and Bucky. Sure, that, 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 <laughs> so, that would make uh, more sense. <laughs> so we get to the mid credit scene in which Carter receives an official pardon from the US government and regains her former CIA position. How convenient. Leaving the capital, she calls one of her contacts in Madripoor, telling them she now has direct access to government resources that they can sell to the highest bidder. And I just echo what Jake said earlier, because it's funny that he said this word, but in my notes, I just have the word lame. <laughs> Jake. So lame. God, oh my God. Like, first of all, if you're going to be on the on on having a conversation with your buddy Madripoor saying, "Oh, I've got I'm going to have all these <clears> government <throat> secrets and stuff." How about you don't have that phone call outside the government building? <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh my god, this is just awful. I'm sorry. Like I just I, obviously I, as I've made aware, I do not like Sharon Carter as the power broker. It makes no sense. To then top it off with this scene, like you said, oh, we'll just give you your exact position you had in the CIA. Oh, that's convenient. And maybe somebody like got fired or something. Um, <laughs> and then to come out of the building and have this monologue on the conversa- on the phone call, I was just like, oh, this just screams, I am now inside the system. I am going to corrupt you from the inside. It just screamed like, 
uh, Zola, you know, (laughs) that we got in Winter Soldier. I have been a parasite inside the system. And I'm just like, what are you doing here? So, yeah, she for me is... The analogy is that Hayward is the mustache twirling villain. Carter is the turn in a chair with a white cat. That's her. Like yeah, she villain. is like There's... the Doctor Evil sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just makes no sense. By that point, I was like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I can't do this with her anymore. So yeah, I, I'm not a fan of this scene. And unlike all the other characters in this show, I do not care what happens next to Sharon Carter. To echo comic book guy from Simpsons, I'll paraphrase him, I should say. Worst end credit sequence ever. Uh, Steph, what do you think? You know, after that, I really appreciate Hayward. (laughs) You know it has to be bad to make Hayward look good. Yeah, because at least with Hayward, I was like, he's a maniac. He's an extremist. You know, I can see see that. Like, obviously, I don't agree at all with him, but, you know, he's insane. He's fine. I, I get it. With third, I'm like, like uh like so many questions i don't want to repeat myself or before because i think I, my ranting kind of like sums everything but this i'm just like the I, I think i'm in denial i don't think this is the ending of the show no the ending is the, the two leads in louisiana that's how it ends this is just an extra scene that it was the dvd extras or it was released on youtube but not even on the official disney channel it was from a secondary channel that they just somehow got leaked because this is not the ending of this uh, for me. And just uh, like this kind of like really sums up all the issues I've had with Power Broker in the one thing. And I think it's one of the things that we just have to accept that it happens uh, now Sharon, it's just this character. Nothing more than that. And I mean, I tried to find it like, oh, she's the Ronan. Oh, she's the Ronan. <laughs> Ronan the accuser. She's the Ronan the accuser of this show and most likely will be for something else in the future. Because very similarly with Ronan, I love both actors very much. I know that both are very talented and they try the best with what they have. But I really don't give a shit about the characters. I know they're supposed to be bad guys, but that's what they are, and nothing else. Now, to what this means in the future, I don't know. Maybe she could pop in the Captain America film. Oh, I wish not. Or maybe Secret Invasion, which also I wish not. <laughs> if she's a scroll. I, I, then I will be like, okay, that's fine. You know that's what? Absolutely- you know what? I actually was thinking about that. I was actually thinking, you know what? It, she could be a scroll from the very beginning. What if Sharon died some point and she just, as a scroll, took over? Like, that would be amazing. That, no, <laughs> so I can just imagine in Secret Invasion, she pulls off the mask and it's like, oh, it's Sharon. No. It's, <laughs> Which it's is like yeah, a triple fake out, a, tri- or a triple like that. mask reveal. <laughs> Which also, which then it make more stupid, like how she she went into New York. She, if it was a scroll using a mask device to go into New York, why didn't you just transform to someone else? Because <laughs> she couldn't do the whole mask off. It would have given away she's a scroll. But, but you know what? 
I will still believe it far more than what we got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's like the uh the butler stuff. It's bad that we're wishing that she's a scroll because it just shows the the flaws in the character. And I I think that the reason that like Jake said, there's many reasons why the scene is bad and it's a very bad end credit scene. Again, with WandaVision, at least it was alluding to the character we've been following. Like, oh, Wanda is in, in that's, you know, out in the wilderness. She is harnessing her powers. She's doing this Doctor Strange stuff. Oh, her kids are in danger, setting up Doctor Strange. But this, you just get no concept of what it's leading to which project is going towards and it doesn't further the characters that we've seen especially because Sharon was used so sparingly throughout the series but I gotta say the only positive I'll take away from this is that and and I I personally wouldn't want to see her in Captain America the next film because I don't have much faith in Emily Van Camp after this either and I'm sorry to the actress but I don't think she played this very well. I don't think that she, if maybe she wasn't given the right material, maybe she wasn't given the right direction, if they did play around with the character in rewrites, but I don't think that she's playing a villain very well or like, or not playing a double agent very well. You know, for example. She did very okay. well in Winter Soldier though. That's right. Yeah, that's the thing. But unfortunately for her, again, I don't want to judge too much, but she hasn't got very much of a film background. She's been in like a few things, but a lot of her experiences with ABC kind of television shows like Revenge. So maybe her the best place for her is to stay in these TV shows. I would prefer if this end credit scene was leading to her kind of being the, you know, the person who causes problems and adds some dramatic stakes and brings in certain villainous storylines within the different series but i don't think that after that performance and after like how limp a reveal this was i think you would bring down the films by bringing that into it i would prefer to just keep it in the tv section and we'd like to offer you a full pardon there may be an opening in your old division is that something you'd be interested in? It would be my honor. Welcome home, Agent Carter. Before we go into final thoughts, one quick thing I wanted to mention, and without going too deep into this, but I do think that Disney should really think about the optics of like showing certain things in their credits. And I know the Ryan Coogler has said that he's going to continue filming Black Panther in Georgia. But I don't know how good it is that you have a TV show that talks about how great there is as Black Captain America. And as soon as your credits end, you have a logo for Georgia come up right after it. It's su- it's such a it, it it's more complicated than you understand it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I understand Ryan Coogler's position on that because he's saying that them working there is giving a lot of people work and all that kind of stuff. But they didn't always used to have like its own title card, like Georgia. That you know, it would come up at the end of the credits, but it just immediately after the credit, like the the visual credits, to have Georgia there with like the logo and everything. I was like, 
come on, Disney, you could have put that like just at the end or something. That would have made an impact. Just say, we don't want to be as closely associated with the image of Georgia, considering what they're doing right now. Which again, I'm not saying boycott it completely as a place that you film in, because I see Ryan Coogler's point of view of it adds work to the place. And like Sam says, you have to like work within the system to change it and to try and influence that. But Disney could have at least try and distance themselves from saying this is brought to you by georgia you know the state that is infamously like being less progressive to black people i think that that is quite a dangerous message to make and they should have maybe thought of the optics of that but that's just my for opinion. more opinions no, on I, david oscar I, I, <laughs> please well no no to be fair more or less i do agree with that uh, i can imagine there might be some business issues with it because i imagine this because with credits it really goes with contracts and imagine there's going to be a lot of different paperwork on it. But I do agree that I would have liked to see maybe an effort to it. Or maybe even a tweet. But also, one thing I also want to say, which kind of goes back to all our issues with um, Sharon Carter and Carly. And I do have to say that I don't want to like offend anyone and I don't want to suggest anything but it is peculiar that out of the five of six main characters the two who have the weakest story arcs and character progression are the only two female characters and i don't and obviously i don't want to shin with anything but it is something that we need to address because it is peculiar that we talk so highly of Sam Bucky and even Walk at some points, and we all love Zemo. But when it comes to the two f- female leads, which also end up being the antagonists of the whole thing, and they have multiple, multiple times we've said it, they have the most disappointing arcs of just playing out bad. And... And even though I do know that the MCU tries really hard, and rightfully so, to be as progressive as possible in the creative team, uh, I'm not really sure, but I don't think there's any female staff on the writer's room. No, and none of the episodes were written by a, a female, I don't think. Yeah. yeah, so I don't, obviously, I don't say that someone needs to be on a certain kind of uh agenda or sex or ethnicity to be authentic but when i see something like this i do think that it is maybe necessary to have someone in there and we have talked that uh carlos Godland has done really good work with some of the actors and especially some of the female actors and the best parts that we have seen from them are usually from the direction and the acting but i still think this an extra step we need to go for and I think that's something like well, I think Wonder Vision really worked well because we had a female head writer writing about a, f- a female lead, and basically, to be honest, we up to that point we really, really didn't have many female characters in the MCU that were so multi-layered. Yeah, but even then, some people had issue with the tropes of like having a female character that's unhinged and t- and painted mm-hmm. as a villain, etc. Which you know, I I didn't completely agree with, but there's still that aspect as well. So even there, some people feel the Marvel isn't getting their representation right because they feel that female characters who are powerful are instantly then mm. 
tarred with the brush of like they're insane and they are a danger and they're like they're not fully good they're also like you know uh have villainy involved and and what i would say to your soul like aspect of getting people involved steph is just you know look at like pixar for example they said that you know they always feel that like any project should always have a inclusion team that sort of reads through the scripts and sort of like says well how many ca- have we got enough characters of color here or have we got enough characters of of a certain sex here so they'll have female members of pixar which will look at it and read it and say i don't feel represented as this certain um group which again people could call woke etc but again is also important for the steps of making sure that we do have diverse content and everyone feels included uh but also there's just the aspect of then like i said it's just you know if you're getting that person's opinion it's just the same like you're putting them on that project just to say that like hey could you read this just Mm. to check where you feel sharon or carrie you know do you think that they are representing you know female characters in a good way and you know because again it's the same as like if you had a black character or a disabled character you'd have to ask somebody from that background as to what they feel i brought up similar issues with how i think they treated lamar you know i i did talk about it in when we reviewed episode four how i think they poorly mishandled that character and he was only used as a tool to progress you know the white man john walker character um and it's a trope that we need to stop doing because you know i'm fine if you want to kill him off to progress the character but don't give us a character that has no backstory don't just use him as a tool give us more with him you know with like i said my issue is that we don't see enough of his family if we had more scenes with his family and stuff for that i wouldn't have minded stuff but if you use it as a trope like that like they did i think it becomes problematic and this needs to be addressed same goes to what steph mentioned about how the female characters have been portrayed here or handled yeah well it's the interesting thing i said about that as well is whether they were doing that intentionally to show that like this is a character who's like the supporting character the the literal sidekick as black characters are often been to the white guy and then he gets killed it's like that's almost indicative of like what has happened throughout history so again maybe they should have like you said jake show more with his family shown that they disapproved of what happened and shown the negative side to john about how the optics of that looked but again you know there's plenty of room for them to sort of grow this in a season two if they do or a new captain america film and all of the other marvel content i am also very excited for the likes of she hulk and ms marvel i think that those could solve a lot of the problems that we're having and even the hawkeye series as well because we got uh, kate bishop there so ho- hopefully those will solve that we just haven't had the chance yet to have a big um female heroine as the lead of one of these series yet so sorry loki we'll have to wait till after you as well but hey who knows he might become female uh, lady loki as well so we'll, we'll uh check it all out so yeah i think you know we've gone through uh the episodes now just as a final sign off after this uh, big discussion all about the mcu what are your final thoughts guys and yeah it's you know what what are your takeaways uh jake um overall i think this was a very good series like i said up top i think the action is spectacular some really good character development from our leads really powerful powerful performances from all the actors involved i think maybe minus emily van camp um um, but yeah um i 
don't think I've ever seen Anthony Mackie or Sebastian Stan play these characters as well as they have in these six episodes. Um, so yeah, I love all the themes. I love all the messages behind it. Important uh, messages and themes that we should be tackling, we should be addressing. And I love how bold and brave Marvel and, uh, Marvel and Disney have been by doing this. Um, what else? I'm just trying to think of positives here. Um, some of the negatives, I do think it was slightly weak on plot. Um, it could have been a bit more thought out and some characters, how they were handled towards the end especially, I just don't agree with as we've gone on about Sharon Carter and some aspects of the Flag Smashers I don't particularly care for. But we did also get Baron Zemo. He was great. He's the true MVP of the series. And the characters that we are left with, the majority of them, I am super excited to see where the MCU takes them next. Yeah, for me, like I think as much as I like enjoy Zemo and like he's a great for meme content and stuff like that, like I think his role within Civil War is still like peak Zemo for me. And here we just saw a continuation of that and we saw some fun stuff. But I think Sam Wilson was very much the MVP for, for me. I think that like he had such a powerful story in this and that he made clear that the show was about him as a character and like jake said the fact that marvel was so brave and just blunt in some of their messages and what they wanted to say but also i say a bradley you know the standouts yeah. for me you know yeah. i say a bradley and sam yeah i think that very much like a lot of other projects to me if you land your key messages and you make your big iconic moments, which other people have said that they have issue with, yeah, sometimes we like to have more like nuanced details, explanations of these themes. But, you know, that doesn't mean to say that that's the only way to do it. I think that you can still just be bold and very symbolic with those messages. And the fact that they still have those big important scenes like the ones with Isaiah telling his past, going to the Smithsonian, Sam challenging the... GRC, the great moments we have in episode one, you know, to me, the strengths of this season really come from like episode one, five, and six, with like two to four got a bit muddy for me. And there was definitely elements of those that I loved and thought were great. But I think those are the ones which were most affected by the sort of rewrites and the, the pandemic and just lots of different elements and lots of different storylines going into you. I think in the future, I just want to see a more focused story and just focus on your main players take out all the people who don't really matter overall to the bigger story. And I think that this was really a fantastic series for just what they were willing to do, the courage and the the determination they had to tell the story of a person of color, but also tell like a fun story between him, Bucky, which had loads of great action moments and ultimately give us a great progression to how he becomes Captain America. And like Jake said, obviously the flag smashers, power broker stuff isn't the best but I'm still willing to credit for what they did give us and how powerful those moments were. Because if those moments were just okay, then yeah, the entire series would have been just okay. But I think that they still managed to have a, a certain level because those iconic moments were so iconic. So yeah, really enjoyed this. Um, wasn't perfect, but you know, I look forward to seeing more from all of these characters. Uh, Stefanos. Um, when, not even when I started the show, even beforehand, I thought I would have gotten a new with the soldier civil war in the matter of plots and not so much on storytelling or specifically about the larger themes. And I was one very surprised that it was very heavy on theme and the story of this 
of these leads and going to the level of something like not to the same degree but somehow what watchman did two years ago to go to a social political contemporary issues and using the genre to tell that kind of story which i think is great but i was very disappointed to how thin the plot actually was but with that said i got far more positives from this all experience and the thing is whenever they worked they worked extremely well far more than i ever anticipated to get from a disney plus show and that can easily overshadow all the bullshit with the power broker and the flag smashers and i can appreciate to while well, like i said those final scenes with sam and bucky those were the absolute heart of the whole show and i could easily see myself going back to some of the episodes and and feel far more passionate about it but i would still skip all the scenes with sharon carter and 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 carly uh, and i'm really looking forward to what they're going to do next i think this shows managed manage something that the films not always achieved and i think there might be some of the best materials they ever make if they continue like this and they do the right steps as we said before with all the mistakes that they've made in the last uh, six weeks awesome well yeah thank you steph for joining us for these reviews we look forward to having you back on the show uh, in the future like with our other guests uh, in the past you know this is always uh, open door to have uh, many of our collaborators come back and join us uh, we'll also be returning back to the world of marvel when we review loki which will have a very special guest with us for that as well uh, jake i will say that we do have stefanos coming back for one more thing yes yeah which yeah. Uh, we'll actually be doing next week we will be doing our full spoiler season review of the animated show Invincible. Uh, there's going to be so much blood. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's going to be a very different type of conversation. So, uh, yeah, we look forward to that. We'll be talking about Invincible, which has been one of the other big superhero shows that's been on right now. Uh, challenging Falcon and Winter Soldier. It was brave of you, Invincible. It was brave. Uh, so, yeah, and, you know, thank you, everyone, to listening to our reviews to this entire season. Uh, we look forward to coming back with Loki, but of course we still have our news shows weekly and our reviews of all other comic book content, including Invincible. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for joining us in terms of speculating and theorizing. Uh, you can catch myself on Twitter at David Osger. You can also catch me on Letterboxd at David Osger and on my web website, freshtakehub.com, uh, where you can catch a bunch of stuff that I'm writing. Hopefully I'm coming up with uh, a similar sort of video project tied into what we've been talking about today uh, in regards to some of our favorite characters. Keep an eye out next week. I'm not going to put a date yet just in case. <laughs> a bit tight for time, but hopefully it's coming. Uh, We're going to work Jake. with data, not dates. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can also follow me on Twitter at Sweaty Jake and also uh, get all my film takes on Letterbox at Jake Hart. That's H-A-R-T. And yeah, keep up to date with Capes, Cows and Masks as I will be on the new show with Tom and occasionally Dave when he finds the time. But he's been joining us recently, so that's good. And we've also got 
some discussion episodes coming up that we're excited to show to you guys. So yeah, stay tuned. And Steph, finally, yeah. where can we find yourself? Uh, you can find me also on Twitter at SYFlorakis, where most likely by the time this episode gets released, you're going to see a lot of my reactions about the Oscars. Well, who knows how it's going to happen? It's either going to be very ecstatic or I'm going to swear the fuck out of it. And mm-hmm. and over there, you can find a link on my letterbox, which I make very short comments and reviews on each film I watch on the year. Right now, I've surpassed, I think, 153 films in this year alone. Uh, I have no life. Uh, please give me five gear, hire me. And <laughs> and yeah, and I'm also very much looking forward to Loki, very, very much so. And I'm also looking forward to hear you guys speaking about it. It's going to be a good one. Uh, so yeah, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, you can follow uh, the show as well, Capes, Cowls and Masks on Twitter, Capes, Cowl and Ma- uh, Capes, Cowls, Mask. Uh, we are on Facebook, Capes, Cowls and Mask. So if you're enjoying our reviews, listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Anywhere that you find podcasts, definitely leave us a rating, a review. It helps us go up in the rankings. And the best thing you can do is share the podcast. Tell all your friends about how great these reviews are, how bonkers and mad it is when we're talking about characters like the butler and not about other important (laughs) characters like the power broker. Uh, Tell them these are the shows you want to be listening to for your comic book fans. So... From myself, from Jake, from Stefanos, from Oisnik, <laughs> the, the power broker. <laughs> it's good to have you back, Sid. Like, come back next week, guys. It'll be good to have you back. It'll be good to have you back. Uh, thank you for joining us. And the last thing I'll say is we have the power. You know, we might have as much power as an insane god or a misguided teenager. But the question you have to ask yourself is how are you going to use it? Goodbye, guys. We'll join you next time. Welcome, punch! <laughs> <laughs>